0: uh i just found a pu- publicity photo where tom cruise is standing with olga Carolino, la carolinko and uh yeah she's taller than he is
1: well everybody's taller than he is my my fi- my six-year-old <sighs> son is taller than he is this is episode 41 of the movie bite podcast a weekly show where we discuss praise lament or lampoon movies tv shows and more Today is Wednesday, April twenty fourth, two thousand and thirteen. I'm your host T.J. and I'm joined by Technician Forty Nine of the Movie Byte Podcast. My co-host Joe Darnell.
0: Oh, thank you. I have the honor of being Jack himself tonight, huh?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Or his replacement, rather, because. Oops.
1: (laughs) Um, Joe, you want to reel that back in? Should we? We can't do anything about the live stream listeners, but maybe I can mute (laughs) mute that for when we release the recording. wow oh my we're, <laughs> we're not starting off well
0: tonight <laughs> good evening <laughs> oh if, if you were listening i am so sorry <sighs> I just completely ignore what i said a moment ago <laughs> yes please
1: <laughs> okay for those listening to the recording and not live i am i have dropped a marker in uh in logic pro and i will be muting that so you won't know why we're picking up a fuss but joe has just dropped yes. a huge spoiler uh, for and Oblivion.
0: Totally, totally an accident, people. I am so sorry. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's try you to... You took
0: g- too much by surprise there with your opening.
1: <laughs> well, now that this train has completely run off the rails, shall we, by sheer force, by Superman force, the Man of Steel force, shall we pull it back up? Maybe by Captain America's force, we can pull it back up onto the tracks and, and get started here. Yeah.
0: Or, or how about you know Luke Skywalker Jedi Force?
1: Sure, I just thought the Captain America thing would fit better with our first item of interest today.
0: Oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, we're <laughs> work with me here, Joe. J- we're talking Joss Whedon.
1: Yes. All right. So um, the first thing we want to talk about is the Avengers will be assembling in February. Uh, this is an article I posted with a video of Joss uh, teasing uh, the uh, Avengers Two.
0: Yeah. So. On ET, why on earth was he on that cheesy program?
1: Oh, who knows? But it doesn't matter. I mean, it's Joss Whedon talking about the Avengers, <laughs> and we want to hear about it, right?
0: Yeah. So he also looks really cheesy in the picture you you chose there, but it, it's totally appropriate. But it says something about the guy. Yeah. It says um, Joss let loose that his team of Avengers will assemble for filming in February of 2014. That's big news. So what does that mean? We won't get the film until 2015? Oh, okay, yeah, there you we go. We already
1: know that it's slated for a May 2015 release date. I'm, I'm really excited for the Marvel Universe right now. That's why I wanted I'm, to talk about this.
0: I'm glad that they're taking their time to develop this story. That's essentially for, what, a year? They have a year to work on pre-production? Yeah,
1: well, you realize also they have to do all the other individual, I'm sorry, individual films uh, as well. Uh, before they can do another Marvel, uh, before they can do another Avengers. I mean, they they want to develop the other characters, right? I mean, we have Iron Man 3 and uh, Captain America 2. Um, What else is coming out? Was there uh, Thor? Obviously Thor. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah, they want to have time to do those individual movies.
0: And rumor has it there's like a bunch of others that are, you know, in the works. Yeah. But they're just rumors. We don't report about those. Right, TJ?
1: Yeah, I mean, what uh, what are you talking about exactly? Like well, Ant Man or about, something?
0: Um, yeah, Ant Man, and then there was the one about Captain America's love interest. Um, let me think here. Inevitably, you know that you know the Hulk is going to get another sequel. Yeah, that's just, that's just around the corner. They're not talking about it yet, but they've par- they've already probably started filming, and it's probably coming out in a couple of months. But you know. The, you, you'll get the teaser trailer tomorrow and then the full-length trailer a week from now, and then you'll have the Hulk and everybody will go see it instead of watching Iron Man, right? Yeah, I haven't heard about a Hulk film, so... Well. Uh, my point is is that they just... it's it, You know, Hollywood is in full swing with sequels right now, and Marvel especially, and that's okay. I'm not going to cut, you know, slight them for it, but I don't know. Like, the... The experience we get in theaters is starting to resemble the experience we have on our couch watching, you know, episodic continuations. Yeah. It's it's getting kind of heavy. Which is why I guess I'm a little bit happy to see something else that's a little bit more original coming to screen, even if it is subpar. Um, The internship gets a second trailer. I
1: I am so not looking forward to this at all. It looks terrible. It looks absolutely terrible.
0: You know, there was two trailers, and both of them were rather similar. Was one of them supposed to be a teaser? Because I saw two of them, and both of them were were at least two minutes long, right?
1: Yeah, the first one was supposed to be a teaser. And then this one that I posted, uh, the first one was a couple months ago. This one is uh, uh, supposed to be a a full-length trailer. But you know what I say to this... That's what I say. (laughs) By the way, for those who listen regularly, I I do have a new toy, uh, a mixer, and I'm yes, you do. I can can play sounds at will.
0: Oh, is that what you were demonstrating for me before we started? Yes, it was. I thought you were just messing with me. No, not at all. That's cool. Well, all the more power to us, and all the more sound effects we've got. Foley, except that it's not ours. It's like Mario going down a pipe. Well, speaking of pipes, we have the internship, and it's a story about two guys. um, What are their names? Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. Yeah, those two actors, they're going to intern at Google. And the trailer number one was kind of interesting, and I actually enjoyed some of the humor. And then trailer number two comes out, and it was kind of like, really, guys? Why did you have a trailer number two to follow up trailer number one so quickly? Or did I miss something? Did they come out with trailer number 1 a while ago?
1: Yeah, I I like I said I thought they came out with it like um a couple months ago. So
0: Okay, well trailer number 1 was really good and trailer number 2 just said, "Eh, you know, like um, you know, makes me think of the Google homepage where you can either search or hit I'm feeling lucky and I'm not feeling too lucky with this one."
1: Yeah, it looks pretty terrible. Um e-
0: but it seems to be a trend going on with the likes of Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, and I'm sorry, but Ben Stiller. I like those actors. they've had their moments. It just seems like they're hitting a lot of bad films lately
1: yeah and and you know, I wrote in the article when I posted this there's lots of there's lots of opportunity for humor, and some of it is off color, but something isn't quite doesn't sit quite right about this humor. It feels like the writers are out of touch with tech culture as Wilson and Vaughn are supposed to be in the film
0: well, I don't mind. I don't mind so much that they're I don't I don't mind too much if the the writers get technology right. You know, I don't care if they get the, the this culture within a culture right. You know, we're talking about nerddom. We're talking about people who sit at their computers all the time and write code and I can totally understand why it would be difficult for Hollywood to make an accurate representation. My problem is not so much the accuracy and reflecting the culture for what it truly is. But my problem is, you know, if the jokes just don't cut it, if the humor is not, is not genuine, if I don't feel it in the trailer, then it doesn't say much for the movie because it's a comedy. Yeah. So they need to reconsider the quality of the comedic aspect. And if it's not working, if they're to, you know, I think a lot of comedies depend on their actors too much these days. They depend on actors selling the joke or coming up with something on the spot that'll be more, more in, impressive than the jokes in the actual script, script. And it seems like this is more often than not with movies than television comedies. Like television comedies, you know the, the actors stick to the script for the, in large part. But more and more I've heard of movies where they allow the actors to try and wing it. And I'm sorry, but you just shouldn't do that. You're putting it up on the big screen. You need to get your act together, and you shouldn't be do- treating your audience this way. If they're, you know, paying per view, you know, in a large way. So, I hope that the internship is going to be more than the, the trailer demonstrates. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> You're really cranking out the video game sounds, huh?
1: Yeah. Well, that's mostly the, most of the sounds I have are that. So.
0: Oh, okay. You got more to come, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that's all Absolutely.
0: I have to say about that. Okay, fair enough.
1: All right, fantastic it, for...
0: You know, it's on that note, it's actually a rotten shame that there aren't sound effects for websites. Like, if there was like a broken error page that you could get for Google and when you it popped up there was a sound effect, you should have used it right there.
1: Sorry, I don't have such a thing.
0: Yeah, it's just a rotten shame that the internet is behind the time. Sound effects are so in.
1: All right, Fantastic Four reboot films in June, according to Filmophilia. Film details have surfaced for Fox's 2015 big screen reboot of Marvel's first family, the Fantastic Four, revealing the production's working title and principal photography surprising start date. Um, hmm. I, I don't, I don't get it. Did did you need more Fantastic Four films? I, 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 well, the thing that I guess really irritates me is it's not going to be the same. Um. It is. What am I trying to say? It's not going to be the same cast. It's not going to be this. like, why are we rebooting this so soon? This is even worse than the Spider-Man. I know you were fine with the amazing Spider-Man. I thought it was too quick to reboot the franchise. And this feels like the same thing.
0: Well, I'm going to take I'm going to take the same position just because this gives us the opportunity to make the fantastic four better than it was in the last two films. So you you're in favor in other words. I'm in favor because, you know, the first two movies didn't really do anything for me honestly because the first one had a horrible villain. The guy was so sensational and I like the first one. It, it was good comic book material, but it was unforgivable for the screen. That's just where I stand. Then okay. the part 2, you know, it has the same production value, but it didn't do anything for me on the whole. I think there's a conflict of interest here too because what's his name who's playing um, the Human Torch? Um, is it Chris Evans or how, how am I getting that name mixed up? But the guy who now no, it, plays it's, Captain it's Chris America. Evans. I, is that his name? Okay. Yes. Well, Chris Evans, I, I easily get his name mixed up with Chris Pine.
1: Oh, no, no, um, no. That's Captain Kirk.
0: Right. Don't get them mixed up. Yeah. Okay, so Chris Evans... Was also the human torch for the Fantastic Four, and, and that, I is think it's that is I a Conflict. I think that's a big conflict of interest.
1: Yeah, but in my opinion, they should have just dropped Fantastic Four. Like, okay, we'll, we'll come back. We'll circle back around to this later. I mean, how?
0: Well, no, like... Hollywood ain't going to do that. They they want to make their money. The Fantastic Four is one of the pillars of the Marvel universe. Okay. Mm.
1: You never right. read
0: comic books as a child, did you?
1: Um. No.
0: Okay. Did you read comic books as an adult?
1: Oh, that was the wrong sound. That wasn't the good one. <laughs> um, not really, no. I've, I've, I mean, as a kid, I read a few, but not like religiously.
0: Okay. My boss actually has originals of the Fantastic Four series in his home entertainment room. Uh, he has them mounted and, you know, framed in cases up on the wall. It's, it's beautiful. Um, I respect him for that. He's like 60 something now. So he read them when they, you know they were original back in the 70s as a young man. Anyway, that to say that I think that there's a lot of room for improvement. Because the Fantastic Four, if you don't know people, uh, the Fantastic Four actually predates Spider-Man. Spider-Man predates most things like the X-Men. So uh, in large part, the Fantastic Four is the reason that we have Marvel today the way that Superman is the reason we have DC comics today, you know, Batman came a couple of decades later. Um, The flash wonder woman and all the others came in between, but you know, the fantastic four is the heart and soul of the Marvel universe. And I think that though the films were lightly entertaining, that it makes complete sense why they would want to reboot now before they get carried away with yet another another sequel in this first uh, initial franchise. So I, I think it's completely justified. All they just right. need to, you know, well,
1: I'm, t- I'm just tired of the attitude that says reboot all the things.
0: Ugh. Yeah, you're right. And I, I can understand that too. I agree with the oatmeal.
1: All right, well, we have uh, somebody in the chat room saying that he's procrastinating on a project and so we better do a good job tonight. So we probably ought to move on and stop belaboring Fantastic Four <laughs> and stop arguing over whether it's going to be any good or not and stop arguing okay, over the whether it's going to be a good idea or not. Let's talk about the Thor 2 teaser. Did you watch this?
0: Yes, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I'm happy.
0: This isn't a teaser, people. <clears throat> this, is, this is exposing a lot. It a teaser is. is where there's a lot of cloak and dagger stuff and then at the end you see... Thor smash his hammer against a rock, and that's it. That's a teaser, but this is like fleshing out the story. This introduces villains no, this see introduces but i't
1: I, I, I feel like it's somewhere in between what we used to think of as a teaser and a trailer. I think it's the new teaser like they're they're getting more and more that way, like I don't know what's driving that exactly, but um yeah, but teaser, it's not quite a full trailer, and you see you know, but there are certainly some things in here that look like reveals, but I expect that they're not like. You know, um, I saw, I believe it was Stuart Adams was uh, speculating that, or he says, I'm calling it now, um, Jane dies. I I don't think so. I think that because of the way it's framed in the trailer, you don't give that away in the trailer. Like, if she were going to die, and so the fact that she's in peril, yes, of course. But the fact that they went anywhere near it tells me that, no, she's not actually going to die.
0: Well, word has it that they actually have another significant person Leaving the series, I won't. I don't want to give away a spoiler before the movie even comes out. That's ridiculous. But yeah, there is someone significant who is lost in Thor Two. We uh, won't say who, but yeah, there is someone who dies. So yeah, I don't know who actually, but I have official word that there is someone dying. Maybe it's Thor. <laughs> that, you know, that, that would make complete sense because. He died in the first one, so he's got to probably die what twice in this one, you know, to uh, to outdo the first one.
1: Thor died in the first one. What movie did you see?
0: Well, we got the whole review for it over on the old web show we did with Movieology. We did a piece, and but know.
1: I, I'm saying I just watched Thor recently, and I don't oh, know yeah? what you're talking about.
0: Well, it's interpretive, right? But there's that moment when he's in the downtown on Earth, and some crazy credible, you know. Like soldier thing shoots a laser beam into Thor and he fry he fries and he's beaten up and Thor's lying on the ground unconscious. Some people interpret that to be that Thor actually dies and resurrects in the same scene. Uh-huh. There's it's not me. Uh, this this comes from the internet and the well then un-
1: it must be true.
0: Yes, all of them have unanimously declared Thor. Is a god and he resurrected from the dead in Thor, and he'll probably will again in Thor, too.
1: So, so the so the, Thor had a, a star man, is what you are saying.
0: Is this is this what we have become a video game? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, Thor 2. I am I am looking forward to it. It looks like it'll be a far better film than the first Thor. I, I wasn't a big fan of the first Thor film. So check out the teaser that will be in the show notes, uh, com slash podcast slash 41, where you can find the show notes.
0: What I want to know, TJ, is do you think that this film can keep up with the, the Iron Man trilogy?
1: No. Mm. No, I, I think it'll be decent. And I think it'll be a good film and better, certainly, than the first Thor. I don't think that it will... Uh, be as good I don't think I like it as much as Iron Man like yeah sure I'll go to the theater and see Thor but Iron Man oh my goodness yeah I'm going to see Iron Man you know it, it, it's that sort of difference like sure I'll go see Thor I'm definitely you know, going to see Iron Man
0: on that note before we jump to our main review I'm just got to say one other thing about Marvel all things considered keep in mind people that Marvel is doing something that no other comic book franchise is willing to do and that is they want to tell a movie about everybody They want to tell a story about the Punisher. You know, we've already forgot, but they did a movie about Daredevil. They did two movies about the Punisher. They've already rebooted the Hulk. He's gotten two movies on his own. Thor now is getting his second. I mean, on and on the list will go because Marvel is big into movies. I think that that's kind of huge. It's actually quite telling about the different approach that DC Comics and Marvel has. Marvel is willing and, able, and empowered to introduce a movie franchise for practically any superhero they care to. And all things considered, I wouldn't have thought that a Thor movie franchise was even deserved until after, well, The Avengers Part 1. Because I know that the Thor movie was actually introducing him so that you got sort of a you know, an origin story before The Avengers came along. But if this was DC, how do you think they would have done it? They would have done it in the exact reverse. They would have been inclined, I don't know, to just skip a franchise about the Flash altogether and Wonder Woman altogether before a Justice League film came out. I don't think that these two comic book franchise systems uh, follow the same approach. I don't know. I no, just find it interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to see where DC takes it now that the Dark Knight Rises is gone and Iron Man is, I mean, a uh, Man of Steel. Hey, what do you know? We have an Iron Man and we have the Man of Steel.
1: Yeah. Which, I wonder
0: if DC was actually taking advantage, advantage of that.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> don't know. Movie name.
0: It's possible. Hmm.
1: Well, are you ready to move on to Oblivion? Yes.
0: Let's move on to Oblivion.
1: All right. So um, here we go. Oblivion. We got uh, the trailer here.
0: Ah. How much of it do you want to play? Not much.
1: I wanted to spend the rest of my life here. <laughs>
0: Jack. Jack. An object came down in one seven. Got it. On my way.
1: Alright, so Oblivion. Um
0: You we- know that that the opening there really doesn't do the movie justice. No, you of should course replay not. that again a few times. <laughs>
1: All right, so it was made on a budget of 120 million. It opened to the tune of 37 million. Total worldwide so far is 149 million. So it's more than made back its budget. So it's it's doing okay. Um, Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I I wasn't saying anything. You go ahead.
1: I thought I heard you say something. All right, I just said hmm. So the um, it's it's receiving a little bit of flack critically. Um. Visually striking but thinly scripted, Oblivion benefits greatly from its strong production values and an excellent performance by Tom Cruise. Uh, and yet, um, I'm, I'm, you know, we, we, you posted about it on Movie Byte. Um I can't remember the guy's name, but he's a writer over at RogerEbert.com. Uh, he had yeah, some oh, pretty Roper. nasty. Yeah, Roper. No, that was not Roper. Roper actually liked the film better.
0: oh, um, uh, oh you're right this other guy and his name is unpronounceable.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Ignati Vishnevetsky. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, I mean I I don't understand what's I mean, and you you did a really good takedown of him. Um I Thank I you. but even even like on Rotten Tomatoes the tomato meter is reading 56%. Like I don't understand what's behind that. And even the audience is only at 68%, which I I liked it far better than that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, um, 68% translates into 3.6 out of 5 stars. Yeah. Um, It's a better film. mm, It is a better film as far as sci-fi is concerned. As far as, you know, movies in general are concerned, I can understand why it's getting that kind of meter. The... The critics are not mindful of the genre as much as you and I are. They're thinking more about movies in general and the the appreciation of just watching movies.
1: But even just as a movie, Joe, I enjoyed this film. I enjoyed, you, you know, I was listening uh, as I've mentioned before. I do listen to Slash Filmcast, and I was listening uh-huh. to their review of Oblivion on the way here, and I thought, man, can 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 a movie not do anything to please these guys? But right. um, but they were they were like, um. They were just well. This so- brings to
0: mind the reviews from over uh, one of my favorite bloggers, is uh, Sean Blanc yeah. you know, over at SeanBlanc.net. You know, we'll have that in the show notes, right? Um, this guy, who I read all the time, I was taken by surprise that he had seen the movie the day after I did, and he really loved it. Not only did he love it, but he also loved his soundtrack. Not only did he love the soundtrack, he also loved the visual effects, and you know. I don't know exactly what he appreciates about the movie. Maybe one of these days we'll find out. but it, it just made me realize, you know, no matter where you sit, but you know, a movie like this is going to really work for some people, and I think it really works for Joseph Kaczynski, the director. Yeah, of course. And this, is, this is one of those instances. It's actually a fairly rare instance that I appreciate the director so much and what he did with this movie that I believe he believes this to be a great film. That he gave it all that he could. Yeah. And therefore, I have more respect for the film than one where oftentimes you feel like a movie is so commercialized by its studio that it's really just part of the machine. It's just, you know, p- people in Hollywood going through the motions to produce something that people will go to, that they, they can sell tickets for. Oblivion doesn't feel that way. It actually feels like the director, the actors involved, the the editors, I mean everybody, as far as like reading in between the lines, looking at the quality of this film, I believe that there's some heart and soul in this film. Even Absolutely. if it's not the most interesting film, it has certainly got a lot of heart and soul.
1: No, this film had a lot of heart and soul. That's what I liked so much about it. Um, oh, so so one of the things I was about to say is that they were really down on it and criticizing the pacing. And I thought oh. this film was so wonderfully paced. Like, it took its time to tell its story. It didn't feel rushed. It never, like, like what did they want? Some super hardcore action flick? They want Fast and Furious 6? That's coming out later. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what's the deal? I don't understand. I love the way this film told its story. I loved how it took some time to unfold what was going on to let us live a little bit with, uh, with, with Vicka and, and Jack Harper. Uh, well,
0: you notice that both Tron Legacy and Oblivion, uh, you know, you could say um, suffer from this quality or benefit from this quality. And I loved Tron Legacy, Joseph's first film. I think that it stands out because it was so evenly paced, slowly paced and develops the universe, gives you the time to appreciate not just a lot of action and a lot of change from scene to scene, but also the setting. That That's something that we don't get to appreciate much in films these days.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, and I guess that you would say at this point that's looking like a trademark of Kaczynski is kind of taking his time and letting the world open up. You know, I've been complaining a little bit on moviebite.com when I post uh, – Star Trek trailers and, and, and clips and stuff talking about JJ's style and his per- frenetic pace and and his use of lens flares and just really confusing the viewer with his choice of editing and camera work. and right. and, and, and Kaczynski doesn't do that. instead he, he still has the same striking visuals that, that are just as striking as what JJ does because like one of the things about JJ Abrams is his visuals are very striking. Right. And, and, but Kaczynski still has that, and yet he slows down, he backs off a little, and he lets you take the world in and take the story in and that's right. that's what I was loving about this film,
0: yeah, so this is Star Trek on vacation
1: um uh, oh. figuratively speaking <laughs> um no no not not actually,
0: <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> well, for, <laughs> you're having too much fun. Yes, I am. Well, for what it is worth, again, people, we'll go ahead and just mention it. The movie was made on a 120 million budget. That is a lot of money. That's the kind of money that you put into a superhero film. Um, domestically, to date, it has made 42 million. On opening weekend, it made 37, which isn't that isn't too bad.
1: Well, the, and that 42 million is not the worldwide. That's domestic,
0: right? Well, I, I said that. Oh, well, the but the worldwide is one hundred and fifty-four million. Oh, so it's 900- gone up since we did the outline. Yeah. All right. So basically, this movie's already—you know—it's more than broken even. They, they they have they're sitting on thirty million in profit. Yeah. So, okay. and what is it? It's only been out for what a week. That's doing great. That's that's uh, comparable to like, uh, you know. Mission Impossible numbers, percentages-wise. It's doing great. So a little bit about the storyline. I think it's high time that we go ahead and divulge this, TJ. I think so, too. Okay, so Tom Cruise stars in Oblivion. If you didn't know that, you weren't on this planet for the last 60 days, were you?
1: They were really pushing this film. I mean, I saw it everywhere.
0: Yeah. An original and groundbreaking cinematic event. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm actually reading the synopsis from Universal Studios. And they had a lot of fun with this description. And that's why why I'm repeating it here. Uh, You could tell that they actually loved writing the copy for this description. Uh, An original and groundbreaking cinematic event from the visionary director of Tron Legacy and producers of Rise of the Planet of the Apes on a spectacular future Earth that has evolved beyond recognition. One man, one man's confrontation with the past will lead him on a journey of redemption and discovery as he battles to save mankind. All right, I'm going to turn off the awesome dramatic voice. 2077, Jack Harper, who is played by Tom Cruise, serves as a security repairman stationed on an evacuated Earth, part of a massive operation to extract vital resources after decades of war with a terrifying alien threat who still scavenges what's left of our planet. Jack's mission is almost complete. In a matter of two weeks, he will be joining the remaining survivors on a lunar colony of Far from the war-torn world he has long called home. Now, living in and patrolling the breathtaking skies with from thousands of feet above Earth, Jack's soaring existence is brought crashing down after he rescues a beautiful stranger from a downed spacecraft. Go figure. And drawn to Jack from a connection that transcends logic, her arrival triggers a chain of events That forces him to question everything he thought he knew. For a fact, you know, all the truth. He questions it. With a reality that is shattered, he has discovered shocking truths that connect him to Earth's past. And Jack will be pushed to a heroism he didn't know he contained within. The fate of humanity now rests solely on the hands of a man who believed our world was soon to be lost forever. And that's the official description from Universal Studios.
1: Well, there you go. Well, um, so what, what do we want to start with on this film, Joe? Do you want to let's let's start out with a few things that we like about this film. You know, but <laughs> well, b- b- before we yeah, do that, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping ahead. I accidentally skipped ahead in our show outline. We should talk a little more about this whole sucking the life out of oblivion thing. Oh, you think? Yeah, okay. I think we should, because it's just really bugging me. It's just really bugging me. This this guy on rogerebert.com. I mean, this is not the legacy that rogerebert.com that Roger Ebert left to us. And yet this is what we're seeing on rogerebert.com. This guy was in a very crass way um really taking this film down. And I really I really despised it. I I I really despise this review. Um
0: yeah, basically, the guy was saying that Oblivion has all these mixed metaphors that um, are so apparent that anybody in the audience could spot them. I certainly and, didn't. Yeah, I didn't, and these ideas never occurred to me. He he gets into this whole thing, how the villain is essentially a, a, a matriarch figure, and everything about her relates to female anatomy in a gross way. Yeah, and it's totally inappropriate, and it's his, his, it's his opening paragraph on his review. It was all there for shock and awe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it it drove me nuts. Like this is not the film criticism I want to be associated
0: with. No, no, no this isn't film criticism. This is link bait.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you know, one thing I still appreciate about RogerEbert.com is that they they don't use the traditional sensational titles for their articles and review uh, titles. They just call it, you know, what it is, Oblivion Review. But unfortunately, I guess this guy, who's trying to attract attention to his career and his thoughts and his opinions, is trying to use his opening paragraph to get people to talk about him. And it worked. Because now we're talking about him, although we loathe him. And uh, in in so many words, the guy... He doesn't give it a fair shake. He chews out the movie every which way, but then to make matters really confusing people, this reviewer, whose name we cannot pronounce, I'm so sorry. We'll have the link in the show notes if you want to go check it out. Ignati, is what I'll call him. Uh, Ignati chews the movie out, and then even those things that he likes, he criticizes in the same paragraph and then he gives the movie two out of four stars. It's crazy. Yeah, which basically means that he liked half of it, but he didn't have anything to report that he liked. And it's uh, this. This isn't professional. This isn't good. This isn't movie criticism. Like you said, this is this is just trash talk. He didn't have his act, you know, his head in the game. Uh, that's what I hope, and I, I think that that's the only excuse for Roger Ebert. You know, the website, not the man. Hopefully they can just get their act together if they can get their guys more sleep.
1: Yeah. Well, enough about that. Let, let's let's talk about uh, some of the things that we, we did like in this film.
0: I've been All watching, right. Jack. TJ, you go first. I've I'm been curious. saying too much.
1: What are you looking for in those books? <laughs> Do they bring back
0: old memories?
1: So obviously I like Morgan Freeman. He was great. Um, uh, You know, actually, I did not uh, really okay. have too much of a problem with the casting in this film. The only one that was uh, maybe a little bit below, oh, uh, I, I would say just not quite up to the same standard as the other actors was possibly uh, Olga Karolinko. Um, she was okay.
0: She? Real, real quick, you want to explain um, without giving away spoilers? Uh, or do you, all ahead. right. Well, she is, uh, if you
1: watch the trailer, she's the one. Olga Karolinko plays the girl that's in the pod that crash lands. And that's right. in the trailer, so I'm not giving I, I, anything away.
0: It, it's safe enough to say that she was something related to science and NASA. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And she has a very important role in the movie.
1: She does have an important role, which is why I suppose it's just a hair disappointing that she wasn't better. But it's not like she was bad. Um, and I, I've only ever seen her in one other film, That was Quantum of Solace. And uh, boy, she I, – I can't tell you how if she was any good or not in that film because that whole film was just so terrible.
0: Well <laughs> – if for what it's worth, this is the one criticism from a lot of the movie critics that's completely justified. I, I want to agree that part of the problem with this character's performance and the role that she plays is that she wasn't put to good use, apart from the fact that she didn't really, especially, act a stellar performance. And it was a, it seems like it was a lack of material on the part of the screenwriting and the direction. She has a very important role, but like I was thinking, uh, when I was writing my notes and just, you know, mulling over this film, I was thinking, so little of the main character, Jack's, relationship is associated to this woman's character. The woman's character, her name is Julia. And uh, they they introduce a very important relationship between them in flashbacks, and yet they're supposed to be profoundly involved with each other. And I buy it because I have a vivid imagination. <laughs> But not because the film really sells me on this. It doesn't sell me on their relationship. It doesn't sell me on uh, why this woman is supposed to be so compelling and instrumental to Jack and his his past.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. And 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 like Chad, Chad saying in the he, chat room, she he doesn't think that Karolinka was anything uh, special, uh, but she wasn't terrible she wasn't bad basically agreeing with what we're saying here and basically what i wrote in my review which is she wasn't special but she was fine and that's kind of yeah. i think i think maybe because uh andrea riseborough gave such a great performance as victoria uh and trying to give us that conflicted um character uh you know because because her role she she makes some very poor decisions and she, all she wants to do is what she thinks is going home to go to titan you know with, with the rest of the human colony and, right. and and she did such a great performance in that role, even though she's a tragic character, I think maybe that Olga Karylenko next to her just wasn't up to the, the that same level of acting.
0: Well for what it's worth, I'll just go ahead and say that Victoria is my favorite character in the movie. Um mm. the act no but the, hear, hear me out. I know that she has a supporting role. She's not the star of the show, and nor is she like some sort of, you know, Uh, very present and dynamic character or um, especially unique villain or something like that. But as far as a side character is concerned, hers is one of the better I've seen in recent times. She performed her role very well. I thought she was a very intriguing character. What are you doing?
1: Oh, this wasn't the point. There, That was what I was looking for. I don't want to know. Sorry, go ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just say I found her personality rather intriguing because she's very conflicted. I would dare say that she is more conflicted on a deeper level than the main character, Jack. She has much more inner turmoil because on the one hand she's trying to be all things to Jack and on the other hand she's trying to be all things to their superiors. And that becomes very central to this film and I appreciated the depths of her struggles a bit more than Jack's. Yeah. That's why she stands out.
1: Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, you know, she made some, as I said, some poor decisions. So that, that it made it a little harder to relate with her. Like, cause you, uh, spoiler alert. Okay. Just for this one thing. She was, she was kind of on the wrong side of the decisions and on the wrong side of like, it's harder to like her you know, you want to like her and, and she did a great job, but it's like, uh, you know, uh, I wish she had, you know,
0: anyway. Yeah. Hey, for what it's worth, Chad in the chat room has a good point. Um, going back to Carrie Linko, uh, her character's importance was less about her relationship to Cruz from his standpoint. It is more about his link to the past and the truth about earth than, what it means to Jack, it otherwise, and I think that kind of makes sense. I can see the value in it there. I just wanted more the, the things that they didn't divulge, they didn't develop. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good. All yeah, right. So. Continue.
1: All right. Well, um, you know, as, while we're on talking about characters and casting, um, you know, for whatever reason, Tom Cruise works really well when cast in the right roles. Like, like he's not great if he's cast in the wrong roles, he's not a good versatile actor. You like him though. You think
0: that Tom Cruise is interesting and important to cinema, don't you?
1: Um, Well, in this sort of role, that's what I was getting to is yes, here he does a fine job. He, he, I can't imagine anybody else in the role of Jack Harper. Mm Yeah. I can't, nobody's coming to mind and he did great. So when you cast him right, um, you know um he he just has that um it's kind of as i said in my review kind of a schoolboy wonder and it's mixed with skepticism and curiosity but it's all he's also got that i couldn't give a care about you know whatever attitude you know like it just it it works really well in this sort of role as a protagonist
0: yeah, absolutely, and I, I don't care much for Tom Cruise as a whole. Like, I'm not a fan, but I appreciate him in a good role, and this is one of them. He he excels in it. Like you you pointed out in your review, he stands out in Minority Report as well. And you liken them in that in some ways you feel like they're essentially the same character, or the same role. <laughs>
1: More or less. I mean, there's some variation, but yeah. Tom Cruise typically plays the same type of character, or he works well when he plays the same types of characters. Uh, and yeah, it's a very similar role to that of Minority Report. Uh, you know, the circumstances are different, but the, the, the type of character he's playing is the same.
0: Uh, I just found a pu- publicity photo where Tom Cruise is standing with Olga Carolina. LaCarolinko, and uh, yeah, she's taller than he is.
1: Well, everybody's taller than he is. My my five, my six-year-old <sighs> son is taller than he is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 You know, again, from the chat room, there's a good point in the here way. from Chad that uh, – and I agree with this. This is something I had, I had noticed too, and I didn't mention it in my review, but I'll mention it here. Riceboro's character – um, is his theory is that she remembers things, but she's too scared to delve into those memories. And I agree. That was the impression I got too. like, they're both remembering things. Like the cloning process worked a little too perfectly or whatever. And they're both remembering things, but she's burying it.
0: Yeah. Hmm. So, well, okay. So we've highlighted that uh, Tom Cruise played by Jack was essentially perfect. That, uh, one female lead didn't do the greatest the other supporting female lead did pretty good yeah now do, should we get to the obvious sure go ahead all right people you watch this film not because you're expecting to fall in love with an awesome sci-fi but because it's a gorgeous movie it's got some oh, it's brilliant beautiful. cg
1: yeah. Well, and and it's really hard uh, to to tell what CG and what isn't. I mean, the CG has advanced that far, and I do know that some things that I would have naturally assumed were CG were not because I had watched some of the the uh, the features, the the featurettes that had been coming out, uh, highlighting the fact that some of these things that he did, that Joseph Kaczynski did, practically in camera and real effects, and that that's that's a good thing. Like, so I know that some of these things that I would have thought were CG were not. And yet I know there's plenty of CG and it all just blended and worked so well. And it was such a great movie.
0: Absolutely. From beginning to end, there was nothing about the special effects, the visual effects, which are two different things. Visual effects are on set on screen. They were actually filmed. Um, for the most part, the other one is, uh, you know, stuff that was done in post. Uh, I couldn't tell the difference between them. No, I couldn't either. The only thing that gives it away is the fact that I know Things like the aircraft that Jack flies around it is probably scientifically impossible right now to fly, so that kind of thing didn't really exist. Right. That
1: had the, the actual physical prop of that th- aircraft existed, but uh, I don't know how much of that. I mean, obviously there were times when it was CGed in the set, but if you saw Tom Cruise in it, it was probably the practical thing on a shot on a blue screen.
0: And there was the moon which was blown up and strewn throughout space, that that wasn't probably real. No, either.
1: it was a little bit fake okay. looking, actually. Yeah. I, that was like the one thing. It's like, okay, and it looked cool. I didn't really have a problem with it, but it's like, yeah, that moon probably wouldn't. I mean, it still even looked like... like it still had like traces of, of uh, like fire on it. It's been 60 years. I mean, what what were they? So anyway, it was a little weird, but it was cool looking.
0: It looked like something that belonged on a sci-fi novel cover. cover. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it but did. But otherwise, everything was great. And uh, thankfully, the shots of the the moon strewn through space were few and far between.
1: Yeah, it was only that one shot, actually, that I remember. But all the other, like like the, the the really cool, like like making things just recognizable. But but you know, getting back into real science, I I, I don't know, like a real scientist to be able to tell you how much of this is real. But like, if you blow up the moon, you're going to create some serious tectonic stress. You're going to change, just like they showed. I mean, the, the, you know, things were buried that. that you know land mass had changed oceans had changed and, and and it just you know because the moon affects all that stuff and it it you know so i I thought that was cool and 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 the visuals were very striking, you know, showing ships on dry land keel over with with the 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 earth piling up around them and stuff so, right yeah it was it was it was awesome
0: Hmm. we've got we've kind of gotten out of order in our outline but uh, i guess we are nailing it down right yeah who cares? They're all cautioning into the wind. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it's a it's a very beautiful film. I, I I I mean, it's it's worth seeing just for how cool it looks. I mean, you know, I, I know that's that's, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> we can't say enough about it. Really, that's yeah, because I mean, the movie does that for itself for the whole two hours. It's just you know every second. Hey, look at this. This is gorgeous. Look at this. This one's gorgeous, too. You know, shots.
1: Alright, you want to talk about the soundtrack?
0: Yeah. You know, I don't think I can do it justice, honestly. I wasn't super impressed by the soundtrack. You go ahead.
1: You weren't impressed by the soundtrack?
0: Please introduce the soundtrack. Give uh, give us some thoughts, and then I'll follow it up.
1: Okay. Well, this is the first track uh, from the a SoundCloud version that I have on moviebite.com, which I'll put that in the show notes. Um, it's it, it's just a gorgeous soundtrack. I mean, in, in it, he did the same thing that we saw with Tron Legacy, where he got this band and this guy from a band to to write the score along with an a, uh, experienced film composer, Joseph Trapanese. Uh, and so the band was M83. Anthony Gonzalez was the guy from M83 that was really spearheading that. And I, I just, I loved it. it. It was great. Just, just like the Tron legacy score. It's different from the Tron legacy score, although it, it obviously has similarities, but it, it was really, really well done. I, uh, I haven't bought it yet, but I, I will be, I'll, I'll be purchasing the soundtrack when I get around to it.
0: Um, hmm. well, uh, yeah, we have available the entire soundtrack for listening back to on a uh, moviebike.com. We're going to have that in the show notes too. And, uh, what I wanna add here is that the the soundtrack pays a lot of attention to detail. It's really about invoking everything that is central to every little nuance that is subtle about the movie and I really appreciate that. It makes great listening in the background. It does good for the movie and it also does great while you know you're driving or if you're working and you want something nice to play in the background that's very engaging, interesting but doesn't need to absorb you and doesn't want to get in the foreground, doesn't want to draw attention to itself. Whereas the, the soundtrack for Tron Legacy was trying to be a bit more creative and it didn't mind exposure to the foreground. There was a few moments that it got forte and it was in your face but and I, I it think- excelled. It was even beautiful.
1: But I think both of those were purposeful choices. Like, I think that here it wouldn't work as well to do that like they did in Tron Legacy.
0: Right. And and the music, in a way, is somewhat more – it is more appropriate to this film than Tron Legacies. You're right. Because, in a sense, it reflects the fact that this is post-apocalypse music for a film that's bittersweet, a thriller, and a – what else would you call it a sci-fi drama
1: yeah it's a sci-fi thriller drama kind of a thing yeah
0: so so yeah it's suitable it really re- reflects the situation that all of earth's culture has been wiped out there is no more and now we're starting new and we're we're just picking up the bits and pieces that are left it, it suits it well yeah huh well, you've convinced me it's worth, it, it, it's actually worth listening to, and I already have a playlist with it on it. I just, I don't feel as compelled by it with, as I did uh, the Tron Legacy soundtrack, which is one of my all-time favorites. I think Joseph did a good job with both in their direction. I just think that Tron Legacies is clearly superior.
1: I'd have to agree. I, I do think that the Tron Legacy score is uh, definitely superior. All right, well, I had, uh, and I may have this wrong in my article, I was sure that it was Hans Zimmer that helped uh, uh, Daft Punk with Tron Legacy, and I thought that you had told me that, Joe, and I thought that we looked that up and confirmed that. But uh, Chad in the chat room is saying that it was Trapanese who also worked on that. Um, So I'm going to have to look that up, and I may have to make a correction to my review.
0: Okay, well, you go ahead. Um, Do you want me to go ahead and start with our dislikes? Uh, Yeah, well, I'm not
1: going to do that right now anyway. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there that we have a dissenting opinion. And I, like I said, I thought when we reviewed Tron Legacy that I had looked that up, but we'll, I'll I'll swing back around to that in a couple of days.
0: Okay. Well, one of my dislikes, one of my more major dislikes throughout the film was the things that they alluded to, but they didn't really ever explore and they never showed um, even when certain uh, twists were revealed and they exposed what was really going on, they still didn't care to demonstrate the truth on screen. Um, one of the things that bugged me, for instance, was that there wasn't enough of the Earth at large, the entire world uh, shown. Not, a, not all that much was actually shown in the big scheme of things. At some point, they say in the movie that about 50% of the world was completely wasted by nuclear holocaust basically yeah and uh
1: well but but i think the point was it really wasn't
0: yeah i guess you could interpret it that way i totally but interpreted then, it that way because there were other technicians stages, in other parts of the world right but it stages problems for the villain right there's this um logical fallacy that the villain is so prevalent it's there all, everywhere it's crawling, crawling the world and ravaging the world what about the rest of the world's civilizations? If there are other civilizations still around, then why are they not doing something to stop the villains that are trying to to waste the planet? Um, I took it to mean that the Earth was actually completely wasted until they said, well, no. About 50% of the world is wasted. Then I wanted to know, well, then what about the rest of the world? What does it look like? And why is it that so much of the Earth's population is truly gone. If the world isn't completely wiped out,
1: well, I mean, because I thought they explained that pretty well. Jack Harper, the, the the first set of clones of Jack Harper were apparently these vicious soldier-like guys that wiped everybody out. You know, except for what's left that that they that uh, the current Jack Harper thinks are called scavengers or scavs. So I didn't have a problem with
0: that. <laughs> You just gave a lot away, man.
1: <laughs> Did I? I already said spoiler
0: alert earlier. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you go ahead and you say something about your dislikes.
1: Okay. Uh you're right. I should have prefaced that with a spoiler alert. Oh. <sighs> uh, well, so now we're both in. The, although I think yours was far worse than mine. Your your gaffe was far worse than mine. You're right. So, yeah, I I can't I can't really agree with you there. I I, I thought that it was fine. Um, one of my dislikes uh i really only had minor flaws. Um, you know I didn't rate it five stars. I only gave it in uh four of five stars so there there are a couple of things um and, and one of those things is I think the script starts out really strong. I really really liked the pacing at first uh, and, and I thought that the pacing held pretty well throughout, although it got a little bit uh, off toward the end but i I think most of that was uh scripting problems. Toward the end, the script kind of fell a little little bit short of what I would have hoped for. So I, I, I think just the climax of the film, um, I wanted it to be more than it was. I wanted there to be a little bit more meaning in it somehow. And it just it turned out to be a little bit more run-of-the-mill.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note, I think it wasn't so much a shortcoming of the protagonist as it was a shortcoming of the villain. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't a problem with the protagonist. It was a problem with the writing of the villain. I can give that away.
0: Because part of me had been convinced that the protagonist was willing and able now to face any challenge. And he would have done it. He would have faced anything. And then it turns out that his villain was um, lesser than the willpower of our protagonist and ultimately was just uh, (laughs) – just completely at a loss at the end of the film, like totally unprepared. Like, Oh, what, you know, what just happened? And you know, well, Jack came along. Oh, okay. Obviously, Jack's superior to the villain. That's kind of how it felt. And I'm kind of like, well, no, the the villain should have been more, should have been more of a challenge for Jack.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, and that's my other complaint. And, And this may be, I know I already dropped a spoiler without warning, without even thinking about it. I'm sorry about that. This may be a bit of a spoiler, so you might want to tune out for a second. It, it won't be a huge one. I'll try to keep it from being, like, super spoilery in the way I tell it. I'll try to keep it vague. But my my other complaint with this film my, is, is okay, so getting crews into the enemy's camp, let's say, to set off the weapon. Um, Like, how did that—seriously, that big high-tech alien thingamajogger couldn't detect <laughs> what was going on? It couldn't detect the nuke? I mean, come yeah. on,
0: come on. Well, it's it's clearly established that there's a lot of tech going on in this big old satellite station they call the Tet.
1: Yeah, which that that's a really minor complaint, but like they never explained what that was, and apparently, uh, as I was listening to the slash film cast, they said it stood for or it was short for tetrahedron, uh. which is, I suppose, a shape.
0: <laughs> yeah, because we're all supposed to know what a tetrahedron is, right? We may not know what a tet is, but we know what a tetrahedron is.
1: Okay, so in geometry, a tetrahedron is a poly a polyhedron composed of four triangular faces, three of which meet at each vertex. It has oh, six right. edges and four vertical, uh, four, four vertices. The tetrahedron is the only convex polyhedron that has four faces.
0: Yeah unfortunately that doesn't have the ring of a name like death star
1: i know like tet what was that it was weird <laughs> yeah and i did i did not know throughout the whole film i did not realize because like like my geometry from high school is long gone i never put it to use and it's just so gone so yeah totally didn't occur to me um anyway i'm sorry i interrupted you because you were saying something about the tet
0: Ah, uh, well just that uh the it's a bit confusing, but I agree completely that this thing is as big as say uh, it's just it, it's a small moon or yeah you know, it's a it's a big station and for all of its formidable size, you know, it's the size of a Death Star and yet it has so little to show for in the film. Yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, that was that was really my only other major minor gripe major of the minors
0: uh my last one i think that is worth mentioning is that all in all that i enjoyed the pacing i enjoyed what i saw on screen even when it wasn't quite up to par with the finer qualities that were found in other sequences of the film uh there were a few times when jack has flashbacks and he has dreams that have to do with each other. And they're very important to this his story and what's happening to him and where he's progressing. Uh, all in all, it feels like to me that the flashbacks did practically nothing for me. They felt disjointed from the rest of the film at times. They felt uncreative. They, they didn't do much for the characters they didn't have much to show for their acting in these scenes and i just felt like they should have been completely executed in another way they were very important to the story and they were you know they weren't movie quality they were television flashbacks they were less than lost television show flashbacks
1: all right well i don't agree with that but you're welcome to that
0: opinion. so you liked them yeah i loved them huh yeah, I just, when I saw... <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> oh, what was that? Was that one of your sound effects? It was really gross. No, you know, I, I had one.
1: something, in my, like my throat was killing me.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, well, there you go, people. That's that. <laughs> what, what does that even mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a Mario sound, so it means something. All right, I give it four or five stars. Now, Joe, when I talked to you, you were in the four-star territory, but you apparently downgraded your star rating.
0: Personally, I enjoy the film well enough that I feel like it's, you know, a subjective point of view, but I enjoy the film for what it is. And it's one of those films that I wouldn't mind having in my movie library just because I love Joseph Kaczynski. But if I try to be if I try to take myself out of the equation, that's a Tron Legacy reference. If I try to take myself (laughs) out of the equation, then I have to say it's more like a three and a half star film.
1: Okay, well I, I give it four. I
0: give it four. Oh, okay. It's more like a uh, well, there is no metaphor I can find. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind people. Uh, you're running off it the rails. Also, yes. All right. It, it well, got a seven point two on IMDB, and like you already mentioned, it got a fifty seven from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a sixty eight from the audience.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I mean, there's a lot to recommend it. One thing I haven't touched on yet, I'll just touch on it briefly. Is I, I like for movies to grab me a little bit emotionally when appropriate, and this film I thought wasn't going to do that until it kind of snuck up on me toward the end. Even though I had some issues with the ending, yet at the same time, it was it was definitely an emotional ending in a satisfying way in 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 many ways, and so that that was yet another like that I hadn't touched on yet. I I definitely I definitely recommend it. I recommend seeing it in
0: theaters. Okay. And yeah, uh, for what it's worth, my bottom line is just that Joseph Kaczynski, the director, keeps my interest through to the end of this highly creative film. And it's not especially engrossing, but it is a good creative sci-fi concept. The acting is good. The visual are, visuals are stunning. And it stars Tom Cruise, so you have no reason but to see it in theater. So what are you waiting for?
1: Yeah, we're running pretty short, so I do want to mention this, too. Um, th- a lot of the critics and, that I've been hearing talking about this film are talking about how it's really kind of a rehash or a remix of, of all the other good sci-fis out there. And so there's nothing really new here that this film has to offer, and I have to disagree. I have to beg to differ. So what? I mean, because there are only so many plots in the in the world to be had, and if every single film has to be original and every single concept, then there are going to be no more films. And I thought that this film did a really good job of taking sci-fi concepts. Which, let's be honest, are, are we? There's only so many sci-fi concepts. You're when you're dealing with sci-fi concepts, you're already in a limited pool of resources beyond the broader world of plot devices.
0: Well, well this is the reason why. Westerns are essentially extinct or endangered species because it's my turn to cough. <coughs> you want to complete that thought?
1: You, you need one of these.
0: <laughs> All
1: right. So, um, I don't know what thought you were going with there, Joe, but, um, uh, <sighs> ah, sorry, pollen, man. go away. Yeah. It's that crazy pollen. Ooh. I can't complete your thought because I don't know what it was.
0: I, I don't remember my thought.
1: <sighs> uh, somebody in the chat room, help us out. Help Joe out. He's dying over here. He's dying. What's happening?
0: <sighs> okay, so where were we?
1: That's a good question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I seriously don't remember anymore. Oh, the limit, <laughs> lim-
1: limited plots.
0: Uh, Yeah, Westerns. So yeah, the thing is is that Westerns were a big thing and then Hollywood exhausted them and then they left them for dead because they, they didn't realize how to keep the audience's intert- attention with them anymore. So once in a blue moon, the directors like, you know, the, uh, those brothers, those brother directors, anyway, they come up with a good idea like True Grit, the Cohen brothers, thank you myself for retrieving that for me. They do a good job with the True Grit and uh, so we have, you know, there's still some diamonds in the rough out there, and uh, it just seems like sci-fi's have been explored so much in the last, you know, see here, the end of the seventies to the present. That's forty, forty-ish years that their time is coming. That you know Hollywood will find a way to get completely burned out on them, and then they'll they'll move on to the next thing, which is probably superheroes. Hmm. Well,
1: well, I think we've just about killed this topic.
0: <laughs> we have. Oh, uh, but you know, uh, one of the guys in the chat room has a good point. A space western could be the next thing. It could be. I'm watching. You, Jack. That'll be the beginnings of Firefly. Goodness.
1: What are you looking for in those books?
0: You already played that piece.
1: I did. Well, I'm, I'm limited. I only have a few pieces to play. All right. So definitely go see Oblivion. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. We're, we're, we're sort of vamping now. So we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing The Wrath of Khan, since there's nothing really great coming out in theaters. And it was one we wanted to get to for favorite fun futon films for February, but we did, did, just didn't get around to it because we were waiting for a special guest. And our special guest has finally confirmed. He's going to be with us next week, not on Wednesday, but on Thursday, and not at 6.30, but at 3.30. That special guest is, and I'm so excited about this. This is my podcasting hero. This guy is the reason why I'm in podcasting. We're going to be joined next week by Dan Benjamin of 5 by 5 So, yippee. What do you say to that, Joe?
0: Uh, Yahoo?
1: <laughs> uh. Anyway. No, I'm really excited. And we will be talking about the Khan. That's Star Trek 2. It is the best Trek film ever made. It's one of the best films ever made. Um, I'm really excited to hear what he has to say about that, and I'm excited that he'll be joining us. So,
0: Yeah, it should be a blast.
1: Yeah. Uh, somebody in the chat room says, who? And to that, I say, go check out 5by5.tv. You know, obviously, keep enough room in your podcast listening for us, but then fill it fill in the cracks with 5by5.tv because – he, uh, you know, and you, you'll, he has so many podcasts. There, you'll have to find some that fit your taste. But definitely check out Five by Five TV if you've not heard of Dan Benjamin. He's awesome, and his podcast network is awesome. And not every show is him, but he's on many of the shows. So, and many of them are tech oriented. I will admit, not movie oriented like ours. But mm-hmm. anyway, Five by Five TV is where you'll find out. Somebody in the chat room was asking. So, Joe, where can people keep up with your work on the internet?
0: I am available on Facebook and Twitter. My username on both of those is Joseph Darnell. And my personal site is jivinkjackalope.net. And I'm also available for a series of reviews and uh, once in a blue moon articles and uh, takedowns on MovieByte.com.
1: All right. And you can also find um, my work. Most of the writing that I do now is at MovieByte.com, dot E.com. I don't really write anywhere else anymore because I just don't have the time. So that's where you'll find most of my work. You can follow me on Twitter. I do have time to post on Twitter occasionally. And my uh, you can find me there at TJDraperPro. You can also subscribe to my updates on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TJDraper. And uh, that's it. Make sure you uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Oh, real quick, speaking of which, we did get a new rating and a review this week. Full five stars by Pixel Pablo. Not familiar with who that might be. But really? But I did promise I would read new reviews on the air, so here we go. Great podcast. If you love movies, you'll love the Movie Bite podcast. TJ and Joe Ooh. do an incredible job bringing us entertaining reviews of a wide array of movies. I like the friendly banter, the camaraderie, and the story insights. In addition, you'll be treated to a bit of, latest, of the latest movie news, giveaways, and special guests. Really enjoyed Minkoff and Douglas. I'm going back through all the episodes. You'll be doing the same. Highly recommended. Oh, I think I know who that is now that he said that. But anyway, uh, great. I mean, I'm <laughs> flattered. Thank you. Thank you so much for that review. Uh, I'm excited to have a new review in the iTunes store. So be sure to visit the iTunes podcast section, find the Movie Byte podcast, and rate us. We would really appreciate that. It would be really helpful to us for people to find us. So make sure you do that as well.
0: Right, because we really were only in this to become famous people.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the whole point. Is we, want, we want to be the next movie stars. We, we, well, yes. Only we want to be podcast stars. So... And you're going to help us do that by rating us. So, well, I think that's it. I think we have worn the people out long enough with our uh, talking about people rating us, reviewing us on iTunes. So, <laughs> that's it for us this week. Uh, next week, talking about the Wrath Be sure to watch it between now and then. And remember that we'll be broadcasting on Thursday live instead of Wednesday at three thirty p.m. I will. We're out.